Today, I get the chance to talk to Jan Filippi, an ex-pro player, psychologist, and poker mindfulness teacher. I know you're going to love this one. It's study time, y'all. Welcome to Smart Poker Study. I'm your coach, Sky Matsuhashi. Let's get you learning and taking action. So I'm looking forward to today's podcast because I had the opportunity, the great opportunity, to interview Jan Filippi. Now, you might have seen him doing YouTube live streams with a pro player by the name of Jay Nandez, and in those live live streams, they discuss the mental aspects of poker. But he's a really good guy, um, and I really enjoyed our talk. And you're going to hear us talking about getting proper sleep, living a healthy poker lifestyle exercise, uh, his past history as a pro player, some of the issues that he went through. You're also going to hear, speaking of pro players, some of the differences or maybe the lack of differences within the whole mental game arena for what pro players and for what recreational players deal with. It was kind of a surprising answer, uh, one that I wasn't expecting at least. But yeah, we had a really good talk. So you're about to hear that full interview with Jan Filippi right now. But it's important that you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 359, because you can find links to Jan's website, his Instagram, and some of those live streams that he's done with Jane Nandez on YouTube. Okay, no more chit chat. Let's get to it. Gambate. This is damn exciting stuff. Hey, hey, poker peeps. Thanks for tuning in to another Smart Poker Study episode. And we have a special one for you today. I have on the line with me Jan Filippi, uh, who is a, he played professionally from 2006 to 2016, but now he's a psychologist, a mindfulness teacher, positive psychology trainer, and psychotherapist in training. And he helps poker clients achieve health and success in poker and in life. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jan. Thank you very much for having me, especially considering that you don't do interviews very often. But uh, when I found your channel, I, I thought this was a good match because um, one, one thing I, I say again and again is that one of the most important factors for becoming successful in poker is that you have to love the challenge of studying poker. Like if you only love playing and especially if you only love winning in poker, you don't love the part about improving, learning, studying, then you might have some fun as a recreational player, but you're most likely not going to make it as a professional. So yeah, I think that the love for study, uh, loving the challenge of studying is really, really important for your success as a poker player. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's one of the reasons why I started my whole smart poker study channel and everything. It's because when I was coming up myself in the poker world, uh, I was looking for study material and ways to study. Well, study materials everywhere, books, articles, podcasts, videos, that's everywhere. But how to study and how to go about learning how to improve your skills and where should I focus and what are my leaks and what do I need to do? That kind of stuff was missing at the time, at least. And so I created the smart poker study because I felt exactly like you did. And I grew up, you know, elementary, high school, college. I'm, I've always been a book book person, like a nerd, I guess, you know, and I'm all about studying and improving myself. And that's one of the big things that you're about, not just like poker improvement, but self-improvement in life and stuff, right? Um, how did you get your start in coaching mental game and self-improvement aspects? Well, I would say the, the most important 
factor or the, the deciding point when was when I experienced myself how much you can change, how much you yourself have under have under control. Because for the longest part, I thought I was born a certain way. That's how I am, and that's how I'm going to stay. Um, and while I was playing poker and studying. I developed a, a pretty unhealthy lifestyle. When I was a youth, I was living fairly healthy, um, but this this typical poker lifestyle got the better of me at some point. I was playing 10 hours a day, um, neglecting all the other things like my health, physical active uh, activities, social life. Uh, if I did anything social, it was going out and drinking. Um, so yeah, at some point I, I was just really sick. I, I, I felt... I, I got sick uh, um, many times a year and I, I simply wasn't happy anymore. And um, I was studying psychology. So I knew a little bit already about stuff like mindfulness, psycho psychotherapy, personal development and so on, but I hadn't practiced any of it. And at some point I had to, like I was feeling, to be honest, I was feeling so bad I had to change something. And um, when I did and when I, started working on myself, but also getting help from other people, I realized it's doable. It's not that hard. In the beginning, it seems almost impossible if you're like in a really bad downward spiral. Um, it, it seems really hard to change anything. But once you start doing something, once you get going, you realize it's not imp uh, impossible. It's not rocket science. It's actually just doing the basic, the simple things, but doing them regularly, doing them um, and then discovering the reasons why you want to do them. Like um, uh, whether it's playing poker, studying poker, going to the gym, eating healthy, you need to really know why you want to do it. Not um, because somebody tells you you should do it or it's the right thing to do or it is healthy, healthy because you really need to, for yourself to know why you want to do it. For example, um, as a poker player, because you can live a life of freedom. If you're an online poker player, you experience more freedom than most uh, than people in most other jobs or for eating healthy not because some book tells you to or because some guy on instagram um, uh, shows you his six packs six pack but because you want to feel awesome because you want to feel healthy you want to feel alive um, so yeah you you need for whatever hard work you're planning to do you need to know exactly why you want to do it Absolutely. That is a great first step. So what prompted you back when you were playing 10 hours a day, you, you said you were getting sick and stuff, but what was the reason why you decided to get healthy? Um, well, just because I was feeling so crappy all the time, I, I would get sick like 10 times a year. Um, like my, my, my psychological stress would show in, in uh, physical illnesses mostly. Oh, gotcha. like I would, Simply get sick 10 times a year. And uh, I also didn't enjoy poker anymore. Mm. I, the, the same things that I used to love a few years earlier, they just became a grind. And I hated poker, basically. Like I, I was not enjoying the winning as much anymore. And I, I re and I really started hating losing. So I realized, okay, it can't go on like that. I have to change something. Yeah, and sure. fortunately... Um, I, I think the very first thing I discovered, discovered was actually a poker podcast about mindfulness. I don't remember exactly who did it, but it, but it was called um, the Sevenfold Path to Poker Enlightenment or something like that. Uh, there was a very first time, even before from my psychology studies, I heard about mindfulness and how much it helped that person. Um, 
And then over the, the course of my studies, I again and again and again heard how much mindfulness helps. So um, the, the very first step I took was um, taking part in an eight-week eight week mindfulness course. And that was uh, one of the biggest aha moments of my life. I, I tried to do it alone for some time. I tried to study it and, and learn mindfulness alone only with books and YouTube videos, but um, practicing with somebody that ho holds you accountable um, and where you have certain dates and appointments um, that just increases your commitment so much. For example, if you, if you sign up uh, for your courses, people will learn much more than if they watch a, a free YouTube video, even if it's the same content. Just because you are there to help them, um, there's other people doing the same things, having the same problems, people they can talk to. So um, increasing commitment to whatever you want to do or change is uh, one of the biggest success factors, whether it's strategical poker coaching or psychological coaching. Yeah, without a doubt. That makes a lot of sense. So in this eight-week program that you went through, you were actually paired up with one other person. You were like accountability buddies. And yeah, I guess you probably emailed and talked via Zoom or maybe with Skype at the time or whatever to really propel, to support, to push each other to, to continue with it, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, uh, Skype and Zoom went uh, that big back then. It, it was almost 10 years ago. Hmm. But uh, we, yeah, we did at the end of the course, um, we formed like small groups of three or four people that were supposed to email each other like once a month. Uh, unfortunately, after some time that group broke up, but in the beginning, it was really helpful. Yeah. And that's something that I encourage my students to do as well. Um, is form peer groups because it makes things so much easier if you work on something, um, especially if you're all motivated for something really important, like um, something that you really love or you really want to change. If you have other people of the same problems, the same goals that you can talk to, it makes approaching the same problems so much easier. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely love the, the concept of, of forming peer groups. Yeah, without a doubt. And I agree with you there. I myself am an introvert and I know plenty of online poker players, maybe even live players, they're introverts. You know, they just want to do this on their own. They study on their own, try to improve their games. How would an introvert go about finding a peer study group, whether it's one or five other people? Um, well, I think nowadays there's more possibilities to do that than ever. And um, I, I think it's important to also recognize like being an introvert, like I am myself as well, does not necessarily mean uh, you can't socialize with other people. Yeah. You're probably more selective about it because um, I know I actually, I, I, I absolutely love socializing. I love talking to people, about, but after like two hours, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that's something uh, that uh, a lot of introverts uh, feel as well. Um, so I think if it's something really important that you really love to do or would really love to change, then it's absolutely worth like jumping over your own shadow, overcoming your 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 um, your roadblocks, um, and and getting a little bit out of your shell. Um, and for example, we have a we have a big Discord channel for the PLO Mastermind uh, where just. Um, we I, I post some content, people can ask questions. And from time to time, I, I tell them, here's a certain exercise we're doing at the moment. This is the current topic. If you're interested in that, reach out to other people who have the same um, who have the same goals. 
So basically looking on, on specific forums or Discord channels that are concerned with that specific topic, I, I think is a great way. Or for example, Instagram, just yeah. by, by following people, watching their stories or their content, you realize, okay, this guy is in, in the same niche as me, playing the same games, playing the same stakes, dealing with the same issues. Let's talk about it. Of course, you have to be often you have to go a little bit out of your comfort zone by reaching out to people. And then we all have that fear of rejection or, or um, whatever, like our, our social insecurity, social anxieties. But those are the spots where it's really, really worth it overcoming those obstacles and where it's really worth coming out of your comfort zone a little bit. It's, it's not something you're not asking crazy stuff uh, from people yeah, um, because very often people react really positively to this because they too would like to socialize more and, and find more like-minded people. Yeah, without a doubt. That's good. I've found plenty of like-minded people in Facebook groups and like your idea with PLO Mastermind, yeah, a, dis a Discord discussion group is good as well. Um, but yeah, I've never found any success meeting people on poker forums like two plus two. But I haven't really tried, but Facebook groups is where I've personally gone and made some contacts and and mm -hmm. being able to find somebody who maybe can help you and you help each other succeed accountability partner like we had mentioned before. Now, I have one question for you um, or kind of an important question because this is something that I went through. I don't know you as a poker pro if you went through this thing too, but for years when I started playing poker. I was a passive fish, right? Like when you begin playing poker, there's so much magic in King 10 suited. I could hit a straight, I could hit a flush, right? So you want to call to see the flop. And then when you flop that draw, you call, call, call every street until you finally hit it on the river with the goal, right? So we develop this, I guess, habit of passivity, calling pre-flop, calling post-flop. And we don't do a lot of raising. And because we develop that habit of passivity, it's really hard to become um, an aggressive player to gird up your loins for aggression, right? Um, so mm -hmm. I want to know from you, a mindfulness coach and a poker coach, mentality coach and everything, how would you convince, not convince, how would you help somebody get beyond their passivity and turn themselves into an aggressive player if that's mm -hmm. what they want? Yeah. Well, I think there's two parts to it. The first one you already mentioned, um, the habit just practicing something regularly. But uh, I'll get uh, to that afterwards. I think the, the um, difficult part is, the again, leaving your comfort zone. Like Because I think many people tend to play passively because they don't want to look bad. They don't want to look stupid. They don't want to be the guy to pull off the crazy bluff or crazy, weird, stupid line, whatever, and get caught. Because our, our biggest fear in life that, that, that is for evolutionary reasons is to be rejected by the group. So um, that's, for example, why uh, like public speaking is one of the biggest fears that people have because they uh, fear getting rejected by a large group of people. And that was um, back in prehistoric times when you were rejected by the group, you would simply die. So uh, that is why it's uh, still very deeply rooted uh, within us. And I think um, for many people, that's the reason why they don't play as aggressively as they would like to is because, um, yeah, they, they, they want to look, um, they don't want to look stupid in front of other people. So I think what you have to do is learn to face that uncertainty and that unpleasant 
feeling or the fear of doing or of making a mistake, the fear of looking stupid, the fear of whatever. Like there's many unpleasant feelings that could arise if you run an aggressive line. And that's something that I think you have to gradually get used to it. Like in psychology, it's called ex exposure therapy, where you step by step expose yourself to that unpleasant feeling, situation, sensation, whatever. For example, if, if somebody is afraid of spiders, um, like the first step wouldn't be to place a spider on that person's hand, <laughs> but instead you would first of all think about a spider or show a picture of a spider. Then maybe um, bring a spider to the other end of the room and uh, bring the spider closer in a glass. And as the last step, you, you place the spider on that person's hand. And um, when it comes to aggression in poker, you can maybe you can add a few ideas, but something that I, for example, would uh, recommend is um, picking a specific spot, like one or one type of spot where like your pre-flop play, for example, where you want to become more aggressive. Don't just jump into a session and try to play, play more aggressively on every street in every situation, because that would just be completely overwhelming like your, your brain would shut down and you would either get back to playing passively or completely mindlessly play playing over aggressive so take a certain aspect of your game certain spots that you want to be more aggressive and focus especially on these so that a bit oversimplified so you play 10 more aggressively the next session Then you slowly, step-by-step, step, get used to that feeling of, okay, this is unpleasant. I don't like this. This goes against my habit. But I know I have to do it if I want to be a successful player. Again, there's a good reason behind it, a good why. So step-by-step, step, I'm going to, to um, get closer to that goal. Nice. I love that advice, especially the exposure therapy and then one thing at a time. So like you said, pre-flop, if you want to become a, a more, if you want to three-bet more often, Great. Just do it on the button. Maybe expose yourself to one extra three, but or three, three bets extra this session, the exactly. next do four, the next do five, like gradually build up that, uh, I guess, expose yourself to it and get, get grant that gradual practice with it. And then you, you make total sense. If you try to focus on too many things at once, like you can't multitask. If you want to be a check raise bluffer on the flop and a turn donk bet bluffer, and you want to three bet more and you want to open raise steal more from the MP, Like that's just too much. Your mind's going to be a little bit overwhelmed. I totally, totally agree yeah. with you right there. Yeah. So one other question, and this is something that it still plagues me, not as severe as it always has been, but I've always been at least somewhat um, results oriented, right? When I go to a card room with $200 in my wallet, I want to come back with 250, 300, 350. And I hate coming back with $0 in my wallet, right? So I'm always focused on because I'm gambling with money and playing with money, like money, the results are how I quantify or yeah, quantify or qualify my play, right? How do I get beyond results orientation? Now, I think it'll be there for the rest of my life, but maybe how do I minimize the focus on that? You already basically um, said the most important part. It's always going to be there. If you're not, if you do not care about the result at all, then you don't care about poker, and and, and you won't uh, you won't be passionate about poker and won't won't be able to put in all the energy and work required. So I think the first misconception is that there is a way to completely get rid of res results orientation, which is just not possible like our we tend to overvalue logic massively like 
we we tend to think we are so sophisticated and so logic when in reality habit and emotion are much much stronger than uh, than logic and um uh, this is actually one of the things that I, I I did like the the mental game of poker books by Jared Handler, but one one thing I really dislike is this inject logic part, where you would tell yourself, hey, lot there's a logical argument against it, so don't do it. If if it was that easy, nobody would smoke, nobody would eat fast food, nobody would tilt, nobody would be results oriented. Um, so I think. Um, what's much more important than getting rid of results orientation is not letting it control your behavior. It's totally fine to get emotional over wins, over losses, whatever it is. Um, what's more important is, is that you don't let the emotion control your future behavior. Like, for example, you can be really frustrated, really um, angry about a certain result, about the current session or about the whole month or the whole year, how you've been running so far. Um, but there's a, there can be like huge differences in how much you let it affect your play. And there again, mindfulness comes into play, which helps a lot. Um, distancing yourself in a healthy way, not, not becoming numb to the emotion and not becoming an emotionless robot, but feeling the emotion, acknowledging it, saying, for example, really just saying, all right, I'm angry. That's normal. It's part of poker. That's part of human life in general. And um, I'm not going to try to fight or suppress that frustration. Instead, I'm going to redirect my focus on whatever is next. And that is playing the next hand, continuing to play the session. And um, this sounds a lot easier than it actually is. And this is, of course, hard work, hard practice. Um, but yeah, step by step, you can learn to let that emotion or let the thoughts that come with that emotion, let them be, but still do the right thing, still make the right decision in the next hand, or at least let it influence you less than it used to before. That There's no state of mind where, you're, where you play perfectly if you have a terrible session, um, but you will be influenced less by it the more you practice it. Yeah, without a doubt, it's a really good point. Um, oftentimes, I when I get when I have the ability to speak to somebody like you, like a mental game coach, and understands this kind of stuff, I often ask questions from my own perspective. Right? Um, I'm a coach of micro stakes. I play the micro stakes still, but I do want to know. I'm sure you and I've seen on your website. Oh, Jan Philippi slash poker for everybody. There's a link in the show notes page. If you're watching this on YouTube, a link below, you could check out his, his, uh, site, but, um, you probably coach a lot of other pro players and maybe higher stakes players. What is one big mental game thing that you have to coach these pros and higher stakes players on that? Maybe the micro stakes players and beginning players don't really deal with as much. Um, well, for the most part, whether it's low stakes players or super sky high stakes players, it's always 90% is about the same topics. Hmm. And I think that's an important message to all the um, aspiring pros and small stakes players, like even at the highest stakes, even players who have been crushing the high stakes for 10, 15 years, they still deal with the same issues. They might be a little bit better than the small stakes players, but they still deal uh, with the same issues, they still face the same problems. And I'd say by far the most common topic I talk about is um, the basics of health behavior. Like 
um, getting enough physical exercise, sleep, healthy diet, getting enough rest and socializing enough and not making poker the only thing in your life. Like if, if poker is everything you think about is everything you do, then of course, a lot of your happiness and your confidence will depend on the results of poker, which are not completely under control, uh, your control. And humans hate when they're not in control. Like one of the most important factors of, of uh, living a, um, a happy life is self-efficacy, which is the feeling of being in control of one's life. Like um, that your effort, all the energy, all the time you invest, all the blood, sweat, sweat and tears are worth it. That you are um, creating something positive and that you're um, able to achieve the goals you set for yourself. And if all that depends on poker, then of course, a lot of the results in your life are not uh, under your control. And that, of course, means that your, your confidence and your quality of life will be a roller coaster. If you have all the, the, that other stuff to, to buffer that or, or to create a balance, then of course your results in poker will influence you less in a positive way. At the same time, caring less about, a little less about poker will also of course help your, your results in poker because you sit down at the table with a, with a clear head, with more confidence, you're feeling more healthy, you're, you're more rested, you're more focused. So yeah, that's by far the most common uh, things I talk about, just the basics of health behavior. I think the the biggest difference um, for if um, when I coach smaller stakes players, they still need to learn a little bit more about like how to approach poker professionally. Sometimes people have these really unrealistic goals or dreams of working a full-time job and learning uh, poker at the same time and becoming a professional very quickly. Maybe that was possible like 15 years ago in the golden age of online poker. But nowadays, um, you either need to be patient and study on the side. Um, and also, it depends a lot on your life circumstances. Like if you have three children, you work a full-time job and so on. Um, sometimes people come to me with these really, really um, unrealistic expectation of how soon and how easy they can turn pro. And I'd say that's the biggest difference um, between the small and the high-stakes players. But for the most part, I talk about the same stuff with them. Oh, good. Yeah. When I've had people approach me and say, Sky, I, you know, I'm in this position in life, but I want to become a pro player. What's the first thing I should do? Of course, I could tell them study and keep working on a game, keep playing in the side when you're not at your normal job and stuff. But I say the first thing to do is take a one or two week vacation and just try to play poker 10 hours a day. Can you do it? I know maybe you could do it on the weekends for Saturday and Sunday because you don't have your job or anything, but can you just sit there at your computer 10 hours a day and I know when I tried to be, uh, I tried to go pro myself years ago, I just could not do it. I can't sit and play for more than three or four hours at a stretch, even on the weekends, right? When I didn't have my job at the time. And so I knew that pro was never for me, but I just learned it because I tried. I took a little bit of time off of work and Hey, I'm going to try playing four days in a row, 10 hours. I couldn't do 40 hours. There's no pot for me, my own mental state or yes. whatever I couldn't. Yeah. And so that's, that's the first thing I would recommend to somebody who's thinking about going pro, just try it first uh, for a few days, you know, see if that works for you. But I want to get back to something else you said. Um, you went from feeling unhealthy, being sick a ton, uh, not liking poker anymore and anything. And then, you know, you turn things around and presumably you made a lot of healthy lifestyle choices, right? So, um, 
at the time when you turned things around and you were still a pro player, but you were getting healthy and going well, what would like a typical day look like? When would you wake up? When would you eat? When would you exercise? When would you play poker? Like for, for you, not that this is what you would recommend for anybody to do, but just what worked for you when you turned things around? Yeah, well, actually, um, during like the first stretch of my career, I was still really bad at this. Um, and only towards the end of my career and towards the end of my studies, my, I, I quit playing poker like half a year before the end of my studies to in order to finish my uh, diploma thesis. So, um, but I think two years after that, I got, got back into poker for a while because there were these really good um, mobile games. And when I played then, I realized a massive difference, like enormous difference, especially because there were two years in which I further developed my, my healthier habits. Oh, yeah. So outside away that, from poker, you developed it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay, cool. um, so in this, it was a fa fairly short stretch of time. It was only like a year that I got back into poker or even less maybe. Um, but during that time, I, I um, recognized a massive difference in how, how much fun poker was again for me. Like I, I enjoyed it again. Also because the games were really good. And um, they they were just crazy games that I love to play, um, but also because my 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 lifestyle was much more um, uh, geared towards that and and much healthier and uh, with the with I was much more prepared to deal with the stress than I was uh, during the first stretch. So um, I well let me let me think back. Um, when did I get up during that time? I think, yeah, it was since it, they were Asian games, I was able to play them fairly early in my time, which is great because I, I love to get up early. I, I know that's not the same for everyone. Um, and I think that one, one thing that is important that people tend to underestimate is finding the right sleeping rhythm for you. Not everyone is a morning person and it's not necessarily like by nature, we tend to be more morning persons. But um, there's definitely people who function better if they work at night and go back to, uh, to bed late. And I, um, I recently read a book about sleep where the author said, if I had to give you one tip about improving your sleep, it's go to bed at the same time every day. It doesn't really matter when, but make it consistent. So, yeah, well, for me personally, it works much better if I get up early in the morning. I love the quiet of the morning um, when it's still dark, the air is fresh, no stress, no no cars, no no uh, no rush hour, and so on. Um, so I would would get up early and do a really long morning routine. Like the morning is my favorite part of the day, and I would really make a point of making a doing a long morning routine that I really enjoy. So my day doesn't start stressful right away. If like the first thing you do is check your phone, check your mails or have an appointment really early, then of course you're not going to enjoy getting up as much um, when compared to, I don't know, a breakfast that you love and uh, doing something that wakes you up that you enjoy. For me, that would be either go running or, or do a, not a super hard workout, but just a, a light workout. Um, and then especially like I love breakfast. <laughs> breakfast is by far my, my favorite meal of the day. So I would really make a point of eating a super tasty breakfast every day. So I have something to look forward to every day I wake up, mm -hmm. regardless of how stressful the rest of the day is. This long morning routine 
routine is always awesome, always enjoyable. Nice. And then I would usually after this like um, uh, long morning routine, I would start my first session of like two to three hours. I, I didn't. A big difference was the length of the sessions. Like back, okay, I was I was in my early twenties. It was a bit easier back then. I would play like I would get up have an unhealthy breakfast, play for 10 hours and eat a pizza and go to bed. So basically um, I would play sometimes really like eight or 10 hours without a break. And that's nowadays that would be completely impossible to do just once. I couldn't do it for a single day. So I would play like two to three hours, which is fairly long actually for a session. If, if it's possible, I would recommend less even. Um, then again, have a have a relaxing routine uh, at noon, like have a nice lunch, chill out um, in the garden or, or outdoor a little bit, get back to my second session. And then depending on uh, how I feel and uh, what, uh, what I had planned, I would either take the evening off and socialize, do whatever, take my mind off of poker. Um, or play a third session sometimes. Were, if I was feeling in the zone, if I was enjoying playing that day, if I felt like the games were good or I was playing well, I would play a, a third session. Yeah, nice. It's a really good daily routine right there. And what you would get between seven and nine hours sleep, maybe? Yeah, usually like eight to nine hours. Eight because nine. I, I need at least eight hours. If I sleep less than eight, I, I feel a little bit groggy the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think sleep of all the, I told you already, we talk mostly about health behavior. Sleep is the one that people underestimate the most. It's sure. so important. Yeah. It makes such a gigantic difference to get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And there's been so much in the past decade or, or so, so much more research and studies into sleep mm -hmm. and how just getting that amount of sleep really positively affects every aspect of your life from physical to relationships playing poker of course as well dealing with stress yeah. all that stuff so i agree with you now i'm just like you i love mornings and i have a nice long morning routine too not so long but i have these you know certain stretches that i do some calisthenics i make my coffee but what's what what i really love every night my my morning routine starts the night before so before I leave my desk after doing work, I'll make sure it's nice and clean and set up and ready for me to get to work the next day. I go prepare the coffee maker with the water, with the coffee in it already. So when I wake up, all I have to do is hit, hit brew. I start my stretches, do my calisthenics, grab my coffee, and then bam, I'm at my computer. And I just having that routine every day and going to bed every night between nine and nine 30, my kids think I'm an old fuddy duddy for it. And my wife goes to bed later too, but I just, I, I love that, that set, um, routine every night, get ready for the next day, go to bed at the same time, wake up. I wake up really early in the morning too. Same as you. I love getting work done. And what's great is my, my family doesn't wake up to like six 30 or seven, even on school days. So if I get up at five and I get to my, my desk by five 20, five 30, I have like an hour and a half of nice, quiet, nothing going around, uh, nothing going on around me. Just like you said, I can get some work done first thing in the morning. Absolutely love that. Now, um, I do have another question for you. When, um, when somebody wants to make a change and become healthier, maybe they do realize like what you did, stress is getting to them. They're not enjoying whatever their physical activities and stuff. What is the first change that they should make in life that you would recommend? Is it sleep? Um, well, it depends. Like um, the, the first step of setting goals is identifying which goal would be the make would make would make the biggest difference. 
that's like um yeah because especially with social media around like there's a million different goals that are co constantly presented to you like you have to improve this you have to look like this you have to su be successful as this guy look how much this guy recently cashed in a tournament so it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all these things that you should improve or should change and it's really it can be really difficult to at times to identify the single most important goal for right now because um, again, it's much more effective and I would say it's even the only realistic way is to take things step by step. Okay, sometimes you can work on maybe two goals at once, but usually we overwhelm ourselves massively with the amounts of goal, goals we set and try to change everything at once. Like going from, I don't know, from having no routine at all and living this super unhealthy nerd lifestyle to I'm gonna become the next poker superstar with a with iron discipline and super strong routines. That's not how it works. Like you have to identify which step, which realistic step that is challenging but realistic would make the biggest difference right now. So um, yeah, the, the very first thing is I ask people for all their goals and then I ask them, okay, which one is the most important one? Which would make the biggest difference right now? And sometimes You don't even know for sure. So you have to try out. That's yeah. something that, that you just mentioned. Um, sometimes we make these, try to make these perfect plans in our heads or on paper, write down all the things we should do and uh, want to achieve and so on. And don't start them. Don't start trying. <laughs> or if we do start trying, hopefully we start trying and then find out if that's really true. Or maybe it's not true. Maybe, I don't know, maybe um, studying poker is not the most important thing, but instead getting more sleep is more important. Maybe getting more sleep will affect your gameplay, your, the quality of your play more than studying poker, but we don't know 100% sure before. We have to try it out. Yeah, I agree with you. One of my favorite sayings, and I tell myself this all the time, uh, stop thinking, start doing. I overthink everything and I think about what is the best thing? What should I be focused on right now? And I have a list of 30 things and, and I just don't know what to do. And then, so I procrastinate. I don't get to some things. I'm checking my email inbox instead of doing what I should. Um, and so one of my things is just stop thinking, just do. So if you have 50 things that you want to want to accomplish or things that you think will help you in life and in poker, just get started with one and whatever seems like, like it will be beneficial. Like, like you said, getting sleep. Well, that's an obvious no brainer for most people. You know, if you're only getting four and a half to six hours sleep a night, because you're staying up till three and have to wake up at seven to go to work. That's one area, obviously that you should start working on. So work on that simple, easy stuff first until you kind of figure out, this is my recommendation until you figure out where you should really put all your efforts, you know? And then like you had said, work on one thing until you get that down, then move on to the next one as well. Now, um, why did you leave a uh, professional poker play? Well, at the time, simply because um, what I mentioned in the beginning, I did not enjoy the challenge of it anymore. Hmm. I still did somewhat enjoy winning, but I didn't enjoy learning anymore. I didn't enjoy improving anymore. I didn't care about battling it out with the good players. So like the last year or two years of my career, um, or the first part of my career, I was spending all my time on finding the softest games. Instead of improving, I was just trying to find soft games. And at the time, 
the games were really drying up hard. It since then it has gotten better again, I would say. But at the times the games were probably the toughest they had ever been. And um, at some point, I, I actually I think I played too long. I should have probably quit a little earlier, simply because I wasn't enjoying improving anymore. I remember when I first got into poker, like studying poker was amazing. I absolutely loved it. I, I was studying poker, playing poker and watching poker on TV like every every day, all day. And I absolutely loved it. And I, I, I loved um, learning new concept. I loved especially um, what was the training site called back then? Um, Deuce is cracked, I think. I, oh, yeah. I think they don't even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. I remember um, it. They, I absolutely loved watching their videos. Um, everything they taught is completely outdated nowadays, but it was mind-blowing and, and um, uh, really, really awesome stuff at the time. And I loved improving in poker. And when I realized, okay, this hasn't been the case for quite some time, I realized, okay, now it's time to quit. But also at the same time, I was coming, um, I was finishing my studies and I realized I want to become a, psycho a, a psychological coach. Mm -hmm. And like my very first steps when I was still studying was just coaching all the poker players from Vienna where I live uh, for free. I would just give out free coaching lessons and doing free mindfulness courses And so that's how I got my, my first experiences, my first references and so on. And um, I realized this is an area where I absolutely and still do love studying and improving. Like This is one of my biggest hobbies as well. It's not only my job, but I love reading psychology books. I, I love coaching. I love these, doing these streams. And that's something that I, I, yeah, it's not, even though it's a lot of work, it's not, something that I have my to force myself to do. It's yeah. yeah, something that I enjoy. You already enjoy it. Yeah. Have you ever read, oh my gosh, was it called The Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck? Um, I haven't read the book specifically, but I even did a talks about the growth mindset. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's a really, I think that's one of the biggest, uh, one of the most important aspects of positive psychology. And is exactly the, the opposite of what I thought about myself and other people like as a child or in my early adulthood we were born a certain way as an introvert so you have to be shy or as a lazy person so you can't study and work hard I think that this is probably the biggest change for me personally was um, from thinking about myself as super lazy and even even being proud of being lazy mm. to Uh, realizing I can actually work a lot and work hard if it's something that I enjoy and find meaningful. Yeah, like so, yeah, she talked yeah. about. Oh, go ahead. like she talked about in the book. You went from your own self-imposed fixed mindset and then turned yourself into a growth mindset person, or realized that you have those growth capabilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, maybe we should quickly explain to people um, who don't know what we're talking about. Um, the fixed mindset is if you think that you're born a certain way and that your skills and your um, talents are static and can only be very, uh, very changed very little or not at all. And that, for example, I don't know, um, hard work is not worth it because you're already set up for failure or success beforehand. Yeah. If on the other, while on the other hand, in a growth mindset, you realize your genes, your talents um, and your, your um, circumstances, they are only the starting point. And you can develop from there on. And therefore, 
Um, getting feedback is great. Um, and uh, putting in hard work is worth it because either you will learn or you will achieve whatever you're trying to go for. In the, in the, in the fixed mindset, on the other hand, you feel like criticism or feedback is a personal attack on you. And you couldn't help it. You were you were born that way. So why even even try? Yeah, exactly. One great example, and I know this. I see this all the time as a poker coach, but also just in life. People have this fixed mindset when it comes to math. Like you'll hear people all the time saying, "I don't know math. I can't figure that out. What's eighty-two percent of a hundred? I don't know what that is." You know, like they have that all that block in their mind. And and my guess is it came from childhood, elementary school, high school. They just couldn't figure out math. So they, they gave themselves that fixed mindset that they couldn't grow. Whereas a growth mindset person will be presented with a new math, like in poker outs and odds math. I don't know anything about that. Let me learn about it. Look up an article, read about it, run some math calculations. Now I understand outs and odds, you know, and that's, that's like, that, that's a really good poker coach wise, from my perspective, a dichotomy between the fixed and the growth mindset. And so anybody who's watching or listening to this right now, yeah, if you don't know math, you can figure it out. There's plenty of articles. I've written books and articles and stuff on it in the past, anything poker wise, uh, you can get it. Like we mentioned earlier, going from a passive to an aggressive person. Sure. Maybe naturally you're just naturally a passive person. You don't want to fight. You don't like confrontation, but in poker, because aggressive poker is winning poker, you can learn how to employ that aggression at the right time and kind of leave, not leave, but ignore the passive part of your psyche behind, at least on the poker felt, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I, li I like the example of the, the math because that's the one that I, I encountered it in university a lot. Like all the girls would say, I don't like statistics. I, I don't know math. Because I think for, for girls, this is even stronger, this bias that they are taught that's not a girl thing. You don't need to learn it. It's not that important. You're, you're not made for it. And so the, it, it can really create some really, really unhealthy prisons of the mind. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important one that I encounter a lot is with confidence, like general confidence in life that you are either a confident person or not. And I think this is probably the most harmful fixed mindset to have of them all, that you're either born with a high self-worth or not. When in reality, that's something that I had to learn as well. Like I, I used to always think of myself as super shy and um, thought that it's something that cannot be changed. When I realized it is possible, I think that was the biggest, most important change for me personally, but also something that I see in a lot of clients. Um, is that confidence is something that can be cultivated and, and can <clears throat> grow over time. And it's also something that is or should be more universal than applied to specific areas. Like you would have, for example, people who are really, really good at poker or at their job. And they would be like really bossy, dominant um, alpha animals in that small niche. But then when it comes to social life or whatever, they would be uh, completely different, would be feel really insecure and um, uh, feel like they're a completely different person in that role. And I think self-worth is something that should be more universal. Like I'm a, I'm a worthy person, I'm a confident person, and I'm able to deal, even if I don't know the circumstances or if it's something that I'm unfamiliar with, I will be able to deal with it regardless uh, of, of my skill level or whatever. Yeah. Is self-worth is that the same as self-efficacy, which you mentioned earlier? 
Um, no, not exactly, but um, self-efficacy is a part of self-worth. Like having good self-efficacy, feeling in control of your life or thinking that if I try hard or if I put in time and energy and effort, I will be able to change this for the better. That's really important in order to develop uh, uh, a strong uh, self-confidence or self-worth. Nice. Okay. All right. Good, good. Thank you very much. Well, Jan, I really enjoyed my time talking to you today. This has been awesome. I really, I really did like this. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Can you tell the audience where they could best reach you or learn more about you or learn from you? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm uh, really looking forward to hearing back from your audience. Um, if this is, I don't know, maybe for some people, this is the first time they, they um, watched any uh, mental game content. So it would be really nice to get some feedback from you guys. Um, and you can reach out to me either on my, my website. That's janfilippi.com uh, slash poker. Uh, maybe we can just link it in the description. Um, or on Instagram, where they, they can also check out a little bit of my content. Um, that's Ah, uh, wait, I, I don't, I just recently changed my name. Well, we'll, we'll link it in the it'll, description. Yeah, it'll be in the description for sure. And the show notes page for the podcast. Yeah, yeah check out, check out my website or my Instagram and you can message me on either. You can send me an email through the uh, website or just message me directly on Instagram. Nice. Well, thank you very much again for your time today, Jan. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and bye-bye. Bye. So once again, I want to thank Jan for coming on to the episode. And I want to thank you for listening to the episode. You guys are what keep me going, that's for sure. Now, your learning isn't complete until you visit the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 359. And you can find links to Jan's website, his Instagram, and those YouTube videos, those YouTube uh, live stream videos that he's done with Jay Nandez. We're at the tail end of 2021, so you still have time to make this the best year ever. You have to become a member of thepokerforge.com right now. It's my one-of-a-kind poker training site where I combine strategy, action steps, quizzes, play demonstrations, all that jazz through nine masterclass courses that are going to teach you all the strategies you need for a profitable journey. Once again, go to thepokerforge.com. Now, my other podcast called Daily Poker Tips, that's available wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, go to smartpokerstudy.com slash daily poker tips. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be. 